Welcome back, everyone. We are bringing back the Momentum Fit podcast. We uh, were on quite a hiatus there, but we are hopefully going to close out the year strong. We're going to do a programming series for you guys with uh, all the trainers where we bring them in, kind of discuss their specialties and what they like to do training-wise. So today will be episode 016, and today we have Courtney with us. She's our, I guess you could say, soccer specialist. Um, all things soccer, we're going to go over today. So hopefully you guys enjoy. Um, Courtney, would you like to say hey real quick? Hello, everyone. Nice to see you, hear you again. <laughs> yeah, back again. So you've been playing soccer for quite a long time. At what age did you first start playing soccer? Yeah, I first started playing soccer um, around age four, pretty young, when I used to live in Germany. Um, I played all throughout my life growing up. I ended up playing through college, and then I still play a little bit to this day, more so just rec leagues now, but I've been in the competitive soccer world for a long time. Okay, and so you said you started young in Europe. How would like a youth league in Europe be different than like say like a youth league here in America? I wish I could remember when I played back back that young, but from what I know nowadays, youth leagues in Europe, they actually take a lot more breaks and time off and off seasons than they do here in the States. Um, I feel like it's a common belief now in the States that more is better, and a lot of the kids are getting burnt out and we're seeing a little bit more injuries happening here in the States just because of that fact that we are just kind of overdoing it to an extent. Right, right. I've had, um, so my daughter, she'll be three this week, um, and I've already had numerous people like, oh, you should get her in a soccer league. And it's like, well, she's she's three years old, and like we hardly kick a soccer ball in the backyard, which she does enjoy it, but it's like, you know, it's, it's two, three minutes, and then her attention is on a butterfly or exactly. whatever that may be, and I don't really feel like paying $300 to put her in like an organized soccer league. I just think that's a little excessive. What do you think would be... I think this will be dependent on every child, but like a good starting age for like organized soccer for youth. Yeah. And, you know, I said I started around age four. Obviously, I don't remember that. And if I asked my mom, I'm sure she would say the same thing. I was playing in the dirt, chasing butterflies. So, yeah. And I see a lot of parents get frustrated when their kids are starting so young. And there's just so much pressure put on them at an early age that then the sport, whatever it may be, doesn't become fun for them. So I think an age where they fully start to comprehend and understand is probably around age five or six. That's when I would really try to find a sport that they enjoy and then get more into, okay, well, do you want to be on a team? Like maybe we look into some options there. So upper end of like five would probably be a better age than three or four. Right. And you would still like encourage them to try other sports as well, right? You wouldn't definitely like specialize at such an early age. No, definitely. Um, Kids need to develop and grow by playing all different types of sports, not just with their feet or just with their hands. It also helps with their overall development. Um, And then, yeah, once they get a little older, maybe middle school, high school years, then they usually will pick a sport that they really, really enjoy and want to specialize more in. Right. Right. So speaking on your soccer career, like if you could go back, change anything about it, like what would you do? Yeah, I would go back. So I started in college my first two years. I was really excited. That pretty much made me pick my college because I got an offer. 
and I didn't really look at the school side of things, so I ended up transferring. And when I transferred, I didn't play soccer again. I kind of took a break for a year because I was kind of burnt out and I had a rough sophomore year at my first school. So if I could go back, I would try to play my last two years of college because I still had eligibility and I, I still to this day really miss that competitive environment. Um, so that's what I would change. I would go back and play again. Right. And would, would you say that, um, I guess soccer is not necessarily as prevalent in American universities. Like I know some schools, they may have like a women's team, but they only have like a, a men's club team because of, uh, you know, title nine or whatever that may be. Um, did you encounter any of that when you were kind of going into college? Yeah, definitely. My first school soccer was not a very funded sport at that school because it wasn't super popular so we only had a women's team not a men's team and then um, as far as just the popularity of it I think because soccer was not originated in the U.S. it's not as popular as the other sports football basketball even tennis I would say at some colleges are more so promoted and funded than the soccer programs but it just again it depends where you're at in the United States as well um, but yeah, I think that's why soccer is not as popular. Right, right. And I used my, uh, my scientific opinion here saying that I thought maybe soccer was the fourth most popular in the States. Um, obviously I'm going behind like the big three, like NFL, baseball, mm-hmm. or just football, baseball, and, uh, basketball. Um, when I was growing up, there wasn't even a youth like soccer league to be a part of. There wasn't a soccer middle school team there wasn't a soccer high school team Mm -hmm. it was just you know you weren't exposed to it um why do you think it's like that in the u.s versus like where other parts of the world is literally the most popular sport and everyone plays it yeah i think it just goes back to again where it originated and the u.s typically like foreign ideas and with sports and even foods, they start to make their way to the U.S. over time, and then they become more popular. Um, And then just media coverage. Um, The more viewers you have, the more popular the sport is, that's what's going to be the highlight. And basically in the United States, it is those three, the the football, the basketball. Um, And then again, with like football and basketball, there's been many books and movies like in the American entertainment culture that has been inspired by those sports. And there's not a ton of soccer movies, honestly. I mean, there are, but not as many as basketball and football. Yeah, I was listening. I can't remember what the podcast was, um, but they talked about how ad revenue drives every single professional sports, even collegiate. And the fact that you have two halves in soccer, very minimal exposure for ad revenue. So it would never get like a lot of U.S. backing just because... There's limited ways to make money, and that's, you know, obviously highly unfortunate, um, but hopefully, you know, it it becomes more popular because I think it is a great sport. It's easily accessible. Anyone can play it. You know, I definitely think that we put too much of a high entry fee into soccer. Like, I think some of these youth leagues are, like, I mean, very expensive. Yes. For my little girl to play, like, $300? I mean, that's just, that's crazy. You know, to think about that. Um, so just finding ways to it, it get more people exposed to that would be great. Um, so going now into your coaching career, um, how long have you coached soccer? 
and also like training players for like strength and conditioning for say soccer specific yeah i've coached currently i coach middle school soccer i've been doing that for the past four or five years roughly um and throughout that time i've worked with several middle schoolers and even high schoolers in the gym training them and um For the training for the year round? Oh, yes. Just training them. Yeah. And so the middle school season is only a few months, Mm -hmm. um, October through December. So it's a really short season. But during this time, a lot of the kids that I'm working with are also on club teams. So again, it goes back to that. They're playing a lot of soccer and not really having an off season. So that kind of modifies how I will train them in the gym. I have to kind of see day to day how they're feeling, how their bodies are doing, and basically... What I do when I train them is promote different exercises that will mimic what they're doing on the field. So getting them ready to be able to handle the stress of what they're going to be doing on the field and how strenuous it's going to be during games. That's what we try to do in the gym. Right. And so like, you know, you're you're fortunate to have some soccer players that have access to you and, and your training, but for those let's say those soccer players that don't have access to like uh, a personal trainer or a strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning coach, like are they getting exposure to proper movements? Like how much in these soccer leagues are they working on agility, speed mechanics, acceleration, deceleration, like all those aspects, or is it just, you know, we're doing soccer drills and then we're playing soccer games. Yeah. I think some, I think a lot of club teams, some are doing it better than others. Um, there's a guideline for a soccer warm-up that FIFA came out with. It's called the FIFA 12 or FIFA 10. I have to double-check that. But basically, it takes them through a dynamic stretch series. It also includes some jumping. So everything that you can think of for injury prevention for soccer players specifically. Some coaches follow it. Some don't and add their own twist. Mm-hmm. But lately, I even ask some of the soccer players I work with, hey, are you guys warming up? Are you cooling down afterwards? And sometimes they're not. So I feel like it could be better um, and maybe right. hopefully like with seeing the injury rates rising and all of that, coaches will start to realize, okay, we need to change something that we're doing um, in our day-to-day work training sessions. Right. And you think a lot of that also could kind of start from the parents as well, like getting them more information about, you know, what they should be doing for the best benefit of their kids Um and also, the co- you, you would assume the coaches are learning this information and they're continuing their education. But, um, like, how we touched on the whole, like, specializing too early. Like, let's say they are specializing super early and you're getting pushback on that. Like, how would you approach that with a parent? Yes, definitely. I have in the past with parents. Um, they have a very sort of unrealistic time demand, I feel like, for the sport. I mean, these kids have to wake up early, go to school, come home, do homework, go to their practice. That's usually 7.30, 8.30 at night. Somehow finish their homework, eat within that entire day as well, and then wake up and do it again the next day. And so a lot of parents, I try to bridge that gap of understanding with there has to be balance. There has to be balance with their nutrition that they're getting, how much time they're spending on the soccer field. Are they stretching and doing the things they need to to recover? 
um, that way that they can perform their best and yeah, just not get burnt out basically. Right. I'm sure, uh, trying to have kids also have proper nutrition is extremely difficult. Um, I can definitely attest to that with a three-year-old. I can imagine with a teenager, it's <laughs> probably much worse. Um, because they probably feel invincible. Um, but let's say you have, let's go with like middle school because you're, you're coaching middle school. So you have a new soccer player. They're coming to you to train. So how would you assess that person, whether it be uh, female or male? Yeah, I assess both of them. We have our you know normal body movement screening that we do. It looks at any imbalances with shoulders, knees, any of that. So most people will come either with an injury already. If they do, definitely just modify around that. But male soccer players, I find, usually have less flexibility, uh, mainly in their groin. And so that's something I really try to strengthen, the adductor muscles and everything surrounding that area. That way they can, um, that way we can prevent injuries in their groin. And then female soccer players are usually injuring their knees just due to a lack of strength and just how the pelvis is, structured in the female body so anytime i get new soccer players assessing hips lower body mostly and then training all of those muscles to support the bigger muscle groups to make sure they have a good structure okay great awesome so someone who doesn't have access to you and like let's say like a strengthening conditioning facility or a weight room per se like what do you feel is something that every youth soccer player um needs to work on could it be like acceleration drills deceleration um you mentioned the whole like injury prevention is there stuff they can do just on a field or maybe just body weight to kind of work on those aspects like what would you say your advice to them would be yeah definitely i think even just with themselves in a ball they can the acceleration and deceleration most people would not do enough deceleration that's the backpedaling going backwards getting the hamstrings working properly that prevents a lot of injuries what i try to explain to kids is you move every different direction in soccer forward forwards sideways backwards so if you can do that with your drills where sometimes you're side shuffling or rolling the ball over dribbling sideways or backpedaling with the ball, without the ball. Things like that are going to strengthen those muscles naturally. um, And that will help to prevent you from getting injured as well and just strengthen your overall body. Okay. So let's say someone wants to bring their um, kid to you for training uh, in Momentum Fit. What would a normal session look like with them? Take us from like, you know, beginning kind of warm up through the meat of the workout to say cool down. Yeah. like a, a good outline be good outline saying they're injury free nice and healthy um i usually ask them if they have any games or major tournaments coming up and that will kind of affect how we train that day whether we go a little harder or we just focus more on mobility and still doing some strength training but not overdoing it so we always start with a warm-up i try to mimic motions again that they'll do on the field So making sure we get the hips opened up, we get the hamstrings stretched out and lengthened. And then again, because you're going in all the different planes of motion on the soccer field, we're gonna do lunges or step ups, going sideways, going forward, going backwards, working all those different muscle groups in different, or stressing them in different ways. And so 
At the end, I'm also making sure they stretch out really well. And then I try to teach them stretches they can do on their own at home or after their practices on their own. Okay. So let's say for a middle school soccer player, about how many days per week would you advise them to do some form of like either strength training with weights or body weights? Like how many, how many times should they be doing that? Depending on their schedule, if they can fit it in, I think Mm -hmm. most kids will have at least three or four days of soccer practice. So one or two strength training days would be great just to build upon that. And then always just adding in stretching after they're done with their training sessions or strength sessions. Okay. And so let's say for like the high school level, um, are they generally doing some type of like strength and conditioning at their like high school? Um, I know like the, the football, basketball, I'm sure they're all in the weight room, but is the soccer team also um, a part of that? From what I know, they do some strength training days um, at the high school level. I'm not sure to what extent that is. Um, I know they do lots of running and lots of conditioning, so I'm not sure on how much of the other side of it they're getting as far as the actual strength training. Okay. And what would you say... Like best recovery for all that amount, that huge amount of running that they're doing. Like being able to like monitor the volume or just, you know. Yes. Yeah, I mean, as long as they're not feeling sore for like five days after, then they're recovering properly. I mean, that on top of that, on top of the recovery is just how well are they sleeping or how much are they sleeping? And again, the nutrition factors in with, uh, with the recovery. Right, right. For sure. So what do you think um, like youth leagues here in the U.S. will look like, let's say, the next five years and then maybe like the next 10 years? Yeah, I hopefully in the next five years, there'll be a little more, a little more structure and just a little more balance overall between having the time demands for the sport with school that they have to go to and just life in general. And then... I'm hoping that there will be a better understanding between coaches, trainers, doctors, parents, and like the players in the next 10 years. All of those people work together with making sure that the athlete or the player is healthy and doing good in their sport and going to be able to do that sport for a long period of time if they want to. So it's actually a goal of mine to try to bridge that gap of understanding between like rest periods, proper warm up and cool down, Um, and just overall routines between the local teams, clubs, coaches, and all of that, just to facilitate more success for the players. Right, just better communication throughout pretty much. Yes. So World Cup's coming, what, two years? What is it, three years? Every four years. But how how many Um, years till it's here? When is that? I believe 2026, but I, Okay, so when I was little... My first exposure to soccer really was when they held the World Cup last for the U.S. men. Um, that was actually like the first time I ever really watched soccer, like kind of sat down and paid attention to it. So obviously it's more popular now. There's social media, you know, it's, it's easy to access. Um, but there's a good chance that it has another huge impact with it being here, right? Um, what do you think it'll do for popularity-wise for soccer in the U.S.? Yeah, I think a lot of people will get a chance to attend it who couldn't attend it when it was super far away. It's been in pretty far places. Um, And then it's just a different sport to attend and kind of see how the vibe is, how the whole crowd reacts. Most soccer crowds usually have chants that they'll do for different teams. 
Um, and it'll be fun to kind of see different countries attending and see what their traditions are with how they play. And so I think there's just a whole different energy with the soccer crowd and the football crowd in right. a sense. I went to, um, I guess it was a few years back when the U.S. played Ireland here in the Jag Stadium. Um, and I've been to a, quite a few NFL games, but I will say that the soccer game was probably more fun than any <laughs> NFL game I went to just because, like you said, like there was so much energy from the crowd. It was nonstop action. And you're just, your attention is on the field. Yes. Whereas when you're in an NFL game, there's so much commercial time. Yes. There's so much downtime between the plays and action. Like you're everywhere else but tuned into the game. It's more of a social setting than I would say actually watching the sport. So exactly, I think yeah. if you've never been to a soccer game and now that we have, we will have access to the World Cup, like definitely like go watch one if you can because it was awesome. I highly recommend. Um, so let's do like a couple little soccer questions. I don't think I put this on your list, but let's just see what you think. <laughs> so I want you to give me your favorite male soccer player and favorite female soccer player. Oh boy, that's probably the worst question for me because <laughs> I, while I love soccer and I'm very passionate about it, I actually don't have a favorite team or a favorite player and I don't follow names a ton. So that is like, yeah. Okay, well, I'll give you mine. Okay, so, you can give me yours. Of course, Alex Morgan is my favorite female player. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> no brainer. <laughs> um, he's kind of old now, but I kind—I was watching him through his prime. I would say definitely Ronaldo was my favorite soccer player, men's soccer player. Um, I really like following him. Um, favorite soccer team for me, I would say Real Madrid. Um, just because, you know, they have all the best players it's not really fair. Um, <laughs> probably not so much as now. What, maybe Man City now probably is the, the top tier. But when they had Ronaldo, like, they were the best. Right. Um, what do you think is the hardest soccer league? Hardest soccer league. Professional. Again, I don't follow, don't follow it any? a ton. It's really bad. I follow several players, and I enjoy watching all of them. So I'm not really like a bandwagoner or have a favorite. I'm just kind of an observer. Just an observer. Yeah. Casual. <laughs> just a casual fan. Well, I think I would say the English Premier League yes, would be that's... the most challenging. It seems to be top to bottom. They have the most talent. It seems the other leagues have like one or two really good teams. That's true. And, and they then, kind of dominate. Yeah. And they just kind of destroy everyone else. Um, so, yeah. But I do like that... The Soccer League MLS is becoming more popular in the U.S. It is. Um, and that's growing, so that's very exciting. Um, obviously, with Messi going to Miami, that's been huge for Florida. So that's really cool to see that stuff. You know, to see those guys, maybe they're kind of out of their prime now, but just see big names coming over to the U.S. market and increase awareness and popularity. Oh, yeah. It's super exciting for a lot of people. And there's also um, development in the women's league, the uh, NW. PSL, I believe, and Jacksonville is going to get a professional women's soccer team in two years. It's all in the works. Oh, awesome. Um, I didn't know that. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm not sure how if they're doing open tryouts or taking club teams or if they already have a team developed, but that's going to be exciting for Jacksonville. So I believe there's a stadium being built. I don't know if it's a new one for the Jags training or something, okay. but there is talks of a stadium also coming to Jacksonville for soccer. So that's super exciting as well. 
That is yeah. ex- excellent. Keep growing, Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So any kind of closing thoughts, anything extra you want to put in there before we sign this thing off? I don't think so. It's been good to get back on here, guys. All right. Awesome. So we hope you guys enjoyed that. We will be coming to you with other programming specialties. So if you guys are interested in soccer for your kids, please reach out to Courtney. Um, She would love to work with your kids and get them healthy, fit, and ready for soccer. All right, guys. Have a great one.